Good morning, everyone. If you're still in the foyer, we invite you to come in and have a seat. If you're online, it's time to sit down on your couch. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to Cedar Valley Church. My name is Michelle. And my name is Gail. And we're here to get the service started for you this morning. And if you're here for the very first time or you've come back for a visit, welcome here. We really enjoy seeing the people that belong here and have been here forever, but people, new faces. So welcome here. And those that are watching online, welcome to you as well. Uh, the best way to stay informed about things going on in our church community is by following us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and we have a weekly email newsletter that is sent out as well that you can sign up for at cedarvalley.ca. And while you're there on cedarvalley.ca, you'll also find ways to give financially to the world and ministry of Cedar Valley Church. We've been continued to be very blessed by so many of our people with their online and their giving, and we just are grateful for our community, and we want to continue reaching and teaching and bringing the gospel to our city of mission. Mm -hmm. uh, in a few minutes, we're going to get this service started. Uh, we'll have music, lyrics on the screen. Please join us. Uh, there's always, it's better in a community of singing. So join us as you feel led, sit or stand. And then there'll be a short uh, video lesson for the kids. If you're joining us online, you can check out our YouTube page um, for a full feature kids video and a guide for parents for interaction. Um, here on the campus, there's no church for kids downstairs today. It's spring break, a lot of people are away. So uh, we do have some worksheets and coloring sheets at the back that you can grab anytime with crayons and things. And there'll be a short video we'll watch together. Mm -hmm. And uh, this morning, um, we have Chad Riggins um, bringing our message to us. And uh, yeah, we just pray a blessing over him. But right now, we want to bow our heads and just invite God to be with us in this place. So Heavenly Father, we are so grateful just to meet like this. We do not take this for granted, Lord, as so many cannot meet. Lord, so we continue to pray for the people of Ukraine. We continue to play, pray for the displaced people, just even the, the people of Canada, and, and just that hearts will be turned to you. And now we pray over Chad as he uh, speaks your word to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Gail and Michelle. Um, we're going to enter into a time of worship, and uh, I know worship is a big word, and, and I think we often use it associated with music, um, but it, it goes so far beyond that. I think this is a thing that's emotional for a lot of us. Music emotes emotion, really. It really does bring out so much, um, you know, what it, whether it's memory or or some spiritual interaction, but our, our life is an act of worship, and, and we want to be active in pursuing that in whatever we're doing, whether it's preparing for a sermon or whether it's at our workplace and com just communicating with our, our, our employees or our coworkers. Those are acts of worship. And um, so I, I ask that you understand that you know, music is a place where we are invited into worship of our God, but it's also, you know, it wants to continue on into what we learned this morning and how we treat one another. And so thank you so much for joining us. Um, this is a new song for us at church here, but I'm, if you listen to the radio or anything, or uh, I know uh, Phil Wickham at all, he's, this is one of his songs, it's called Battle Belongs. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really a, an incredible song about how, we've, how he fights for us. It is his battle, and we come to him, we come to him on our knees. The, the chorus says, so when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. That is our act of plea to him. Take my things that, you, that burden me, and they are yours. Fight for me. And uh, what, a, what a beautiful thing that is. So if you want to stand, please stand, sing if you know the song, and I'll do my best to, we'll do our best to lead you in worship this morning.
When all I see is the battle You see my victory When all I see is a mountain You see a mountain moved And as I walk through the shadow Your love surrounds me There's nothing to fear now For I am safe with you So when I fight I'll fight on my knees With my hands lifted high Oh God, the battle belongs to you And every fear I lay at your feet I'll sing through the the battle belongs to you And if you are for me Who can be against me? For Jesus there's nothing Impossible for you You see the beauty When all I see is a cross, God You see the empty tomb So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees With my hands lifted high Oh God, the battle belongs to can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. And almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in shadows you win every battle nothing can stand against the power of our you. Thank you for bringing us here. Your Holy Spirit just overwhelms us with its presence, and we are so thankful. And God, I just, I pray over these people to feel your presence this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
are in control. God, have your hand in the works of these people, in the works of this church and this community. You are so good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
All right. Uh, just before we continue on to the next thing, I want to invite Terry and Brianna and the family, Madeline and Alexander, up here to join us for a moment. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I, you know what? I'm going to give Terry just a one-minute thing about what's happening in their life and where they're going, and then like to spend some time praying over their family. Yeah, I'm going to try to not cry this morning. It's, uh, this has been a tough decision, but uh, so uh, in December, I uh, got a call from an old friend of mine. He's uh, upper management at KMS, and he, uh, you know, he said there's a couple opportunities at KMS Tools where I used to work for years, like 16 years. And he said, uh, you know, would you be interested in something? So I told him to, you know, I'll sit down with the owner and talk about it and so on and so on. And uh, they made me an offer to run our, uh, our Kelowna store. Um, so we've been, I've been up there since the beginning of the month. And uh, Brandon and the kids have been down here. And uh, so at the end of this month, we're, uh, we've purchased a place up in Coldstream. And we're, uh, we're moving up there um, on the 4th. So that's when we get our possession and move in and, and start our new life up there. So I just, you know, from the bottom of my heart, I thank all of you guys. Um, it's been a great journey. Um, we've, you know, we feel like we're, you know, a lot of you are, are lifelong friends that we're still going to be in contact with. Um, we've already got a bunch of people that have booked, like, specific times to come up and visit us. That was one of our, when we were looking at houses, that was one of our big, uh, our big stipulations is we want, we want room for guests. We want a guest room, and we got that, which is great. And God is really, you know, if, if, if you come and bug us after the service, we'll tell you the story of, of this house because it truly was uh, God that put this together for us. So um, thank you for, for our time here. It's been, it's been a huge blessing to our family to have the support and love that we've had over the last, you know, 10 years. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. This is your last Sunday, I believe, present while you're here. And... Uh, for those who don't know, Terry and Brianna and the family have poured into this church. Terry has served on our leadership team. Brianna has been instrumental in both the office for a number of years and the kids' ministry. So, yeah, we're so blessed by your involvement in this community, and we know that you're going to be a blessing to whatever community you're involved in out there. So uh, we would love to just pray over your family as you kind of enter into this next journey. I know this is a big day, a big big next couple weeks as as everything becomes very real and and so let's, let's uh, just pray over them as a church. My dearest Heavenly Father, you have given us this family, and we've seen them blossom and grow into bringing children into this world, and uh, their nurturing relationship with one another, their bonds that they've formed here with friendships and the leadership that they've given to us. There's just uh, an endless amount of gratitude that we have for for these people and we want to start their journey with a blessing and we want to anoint them in the Holy Spirit to give them the same boldness and courage that they had here um, in their new place of living that they can be just a, a blessing and a gift to the people that they come to know and love up there God, I also pray that you keep us connected, and, and I also ask for just a smoothness and journey over this next couple of weeks as uh, everything starts moving in full speed, and I just give, uh, I pray for a blessing over everything that's happening and moving, and, and for them to just have this transition go well. Uh, Madeline said she's scared and excited this morning. With fear takes great courage, and you provide us boldness and courage. In the name of Jesus, and we pray this over them. In your precious name, amen. Yeah, love you. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Justin. Uh, at this point, we are going to watch a video that's part of the kids' curriculum that we normally have a special service for kids downstairs, worship and prayer, uh, interactive activities and stuff, but we just don't have the teachers and the capacity to have a rotation of teachers right now. And that is a big need that we have as a church because when you provide opportunities to minister and have lessons for kids, 
uh, that just engage them in faith at their level, it's massively important. And, you know, we're doing a lot of stuff here for the adults, for uh, all sorts of generations, but we're missing that demographic right now. And what we actually need is for all of the different generations we have in this church, uh, great-grandparents, grandparents, parents, like all the way up and down, we need involvement to pour into the kids in our church here and into their lives. Otherwise, we're going to have more activity sheets like this, and then I might actually just flip it and give you guys an activity sheet one Sunday party with the kids downstairs because it is a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun teaching. Like, ask any of the teachers who've been involved. It is a really great time. You learn a ton. You get to play and laugh with them, too, uh, video-based. So it's just facilitating. So please come speak with me if you would be interested in being part of that ministry. Uh, we just want to bless into and pour into the youngest generation here at the church. And that also includes nursery work, just to watch uh, toddlers, infants, so that the parents can actually engage in the service here as well and, and get a break. It's a massive blessing to pour into it. But yeah, as the kids, I saw you grab the activity sheets. Kids, if you are at home online and for everyone here too, we have a full blog, the full service content you can get on our YouTube page. There's other printable sheets as well to engage in those activities. Uh, but for now, let's just enjoy the video together and uh, we'll go to the message. Hey guys. Hey, Kellen. Hey, how's it going, Kellen? Oh, you know, just living the Bible storytelling dream. Sounds fun. Now today, I have a story for you about this one guy who probably felt like he was living the dream by the end of it, but I don't want to give away any spoilers, so let's jump into it. One day, Jesus was teaching inside a house. There was a large crowd of people listening to him. Uh, what did he say? You are a city on a hill. Oh. There were also many Jewish leaders and law teachers there. Hmm. I heard that God gave Jesus the power to heal. Well, I have to see this for myself. Get out of my way. Move along. Get, get out of here. I'm just trying to see something. Yes, me. People everywhere had heard stories of the miracles Jesus was performing. In fact, on that particular day, there were a few people who had a friend who couldn't walk, and they believed Jesus could heal their friend. Oh, we gotta get him to Jesus. Yeah, Jesus will be able to heal him. You guys know I'm right here. You can talk to me. Oh, right. Uh, we've gotta get you to Jesus. Yeah, Jesus will be able to... You don't have to repeat yourself. Oh. Uh, noted. Let's get through this crowd. Oh. Uh, excuse me. Uh, oh. uh, no, pardon me, coming through. Oh. Uh, I think this crowd's too big. Uh, I'm trying to get our friend to Jesus. Uh, can you make way? Uh, Shh, we're trying to listen to Jesus. Uh, make way for donuts. Yeah, everyone move aside and get your free donuts. Shh. Yeah, I really thought that donut thing would work. They wanted to place their friend right in front of Jesus but they couldn't get past the crowd. So they went on top of the roof. Uh, uh, now what? We'll just roll you off your mat and so you can fall through the ceiling and into Jesus's arms. Are you crazy? Relax, it's like a trust fall. Uh, I was thinking we'd just lower him down still on the mat. Yeah, I like that idea. The friends lowered the man on his mat through an opening in the roof. They lowered him into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Jesus saw the faith of the man's friends, so he spoke to the man. Friend, your sins are forgiven. The teachers of the law heard what Jesus said and thought to themselves. Who is this guy? I mean, who can forgive sin but God alone? Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Is it easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Get up, take your mat, and go home. Hallelujah! 
I can walk. He can walk. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hooray! Praise the Lord. I can walk. Yes! Yeehaw! Yip, 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 yee! It's a miracle. Oh, I can't wait to tell my Uncle Larry about this. We have seen some unusual things today. Now, how do we get down from here? <laughs> the end. Wow, that's amazing that Jesus healed that guy. Yeah, and forgave his sins. <laughs> yep, Jesus was so moved by the faith of the man's friends. His friends really went all out to help him. They, they never gave and up. And because of that, the man got healed, forgiven, and all the people there learned more about Jesus. That is awesome. Thanks, Kellen. You bet. Uh, I'm just here to uh, say a word of prayer over Chad this morning. Um, I'm not sure if you've ever had an opportunity to preach. I know a few of you have. But it takes a lot of preparation. And often when you don't do it a lot, it takes extra preparation. And uh, what were you saying this morning? That this week was full of doubt for you? It was, yeah. It was. So... We want to, and we just spoke about that, and, and when, when there's something that the Holy Spirit is preparing you to say, often often the devil puts that in the way, makes you, or diminishes that word, tries to. And uh, so we prayed this morning for, for the Holy Spirit to speak through you today. So let's uh, just pray with him. Lord, you are good. You have prepared people to um, teach and lead us in Scripture and to enter us, help us enter into your presence. And I pray a blessing over Chad this morning as he speaks. And I pray a blessing over the congregation, the people that are listening online, that they receive your word anointed by you. And uh, may your truth be spoken and spoken clearly. I pray all these things in, in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. <clears throat> you can hear me? Yeah? yeah? Great. So just before I get started, I just wanted to thank the congregation uh, for, for participating last week's AGM and for putting forward the new governance and bylaws that the transition team and the uh, leadership team had worked so hard on. I think it's a really good step in making our church move a little more efficiently, but still retaining accountability. So I just want to thank you for that. So the words today are from Galatians 3, 1 to 5. Saying hard things to one we love, passing along the wisdom we've earned through experience, receiving words from others that we may not want to hear, leaving behind practices and traditions that veil our eyes and stall our walk, discerning things above from things below, living by faith as prompted by the Spirit. These are the topics that were brought to my mind as I read this passage in Galatians. The church in Galatia was one that Paul had planted during his first missionary journey to Asia, from a calling to go and preach the Gospels to the Gentiles, those who are not Jews. These people there received the Gospel of Christ through Paul's efforts, even taking Paul in and caring for him during an illness. A burden to them, yes, but one not held against Paul or his message. As Paul states in chapter 4, 12 and 13, despite your trial, sorry, despite your trial because of my infirmities, yet you received me as an angel of God. The church at Galatia loved Paul and he them. But starting in chapter 3, we find this relationship has begun to break down, and Paul, with his pen, writes them a letter which we now read as the book of Galatians. In order to restore the good news, the love, and the unity that they once enjoyed and cherished. Please open your Bibles and turn with me to Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? 
This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you, do it by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Stern words. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Are you so foolish? Now, I'm not sure what fool or foolish may mean to you, but to me it's a pretty lightweight insult or slight. It doesn't carry much weight in my mind, and being called a fool might not actually hurt my feelings, at least not in the moment. But when we read these words in the context of the Bible and not our modern vernacular, I feel stirred to consider that this may be a harsher word than I thought. And I say this because what came to mind almost immediately was the instance where Jesus used the term to describe two men building houses. In Matthew chapter 7, Of those who built on the rock, he called wise, but on those who built on the sand, he called foolish. Jesus said of the foolish one, The water comes up, the wind pushes against the house, and it fell. Its collapse was great. Though this story is true of actual builders, it is used to illustrate a spiritual point. A foolish man's soul is headed towards destruction, ruin. And to further this idea, Jesus illustrates in Luke 12 about a man who builds up much wealth that he may sit back and enjoy his life of ease. But God said to him, You fool! This very night your soul is demanded of you. Such is the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich in relation to God. Again, foolish is being used to describe a person whose soul is in danger, the one that looks below to their, or for their security, and not to the one above. So by calling the Galatians foolish, not once, but twice in just three sentences, he's saying that they're in danger of walking themselves into destruction, away from God, into death. He's saying that they're proceeding with their gaze fixed down to the ground, unable to perceive the dangers ahead, and if continued, possibly beyond the reach of any help. But Paul loved them and he wanted to see them restored. Paul could have chosen not to write these words, to put himself at risk of judgment and becoming the fool as Jonah did before him, and left the Galatians to stumble to their own demise. He could have said, that's it, you're on your own, and left his letter short without any further explanations. But for the love he had for that church and those people, he penned them this letter. He said what needed to be said in order that they may be saved. He was speaking, in the tr he was speaking truth and love just as he commanded others to do so. Beloved of him they were even to call them fools. But why should they receive Paul's rebuke and by what authority did Paul have to say such things? Paul's authority. It's easy for us to assume that Paul always had authority in the Christian church, isn't it? I mean, he does have 13 of his letters included in the Bible, and his words and ideas are probably preached in at least one church every Sunday. So then, it's also easy for us to think that the Galatians would have thought the same about Paul as we do now. But what, this wasn't so at that time when he wrote the letter to them. He hadn't earned that reputation and authority. If we remember back to Galatians 2, in the middle of the chapter, we have Paul telling them that he took to task the apostle Peter regarding his favoritism towards the Jews and his expectations that the Gentiles also conform to those standards. So why, so why does he include this in his letter? Well, Paul writes these words to establish that he has done the hard thing first. He has done the risky thing, that which will give him some influence in this matter, that he is someone worthy of imparting wisdom to them. It was risky for Paul because Peter had the, the authority to disavow Paul for that rebuke, and he could have done so with a single word. 
And thus Paul's words to the Galatians would have had no effect, no resonance, and no might. Why listen to Paul if Peter, the rock on which the church was established, should dismiss Paul on the same issue that the Galatians were being called fools for? Why should the church at Galatia read aloud the letter that Paul had written them and take it into counsel? Why? Because Paul put his ministry and reputation on the line, and with faith that God would justify his claim, he rebuked Peter with success, so much that he then received a blessing to continue with his mission. So Paul is now licensed to call out the Galatians. Having first won his argument at the head, he can now reprove the body. He gained the qualification for wisdom in this matter, and only a fool would now ignore him. Paul is our example. Now, we're only at the first verse of chapter 3, and I'd like to take a shot at applying what we've just learned in regard to speaking a challenge or rebuke or passing down some wisdom one to another. Though not explicit or taught directly in the text, out of the text, I believe we have an example to follow when we're having difficult conversations for working through topics that challenge one's belief in long-held values and even to receive an encouragement with grace and humility. So, just to review, the first principle that the text demonstrates is that Paul had great love and concern for those he was reprimanding. He reminded them of the shared struggles they had been through together and their long-standing relationship. Secondly, the text implies that he used the wisdom he gained through experience with Peter to prove that he did, in fact, have the authority to hold a mirror to their same misdeeds. Simply put, a godly rebuke requires both relationship and experience. The giver needs to have taken risks and acquired wisdom <clears throat> to come out on the other side, whether this is earned by being in the right or sometimes being in the wrong and having been humbled and restored. The receiver needs to trust that what is being said comes from a pure heart and a pure motive Trust that the life and the actions of the one giving it are congruent with the words that they're pronouncing. Time has now revealed that Paul was indeed a man of faith. He's a pillar of the church, inspired and empowered by the Holy Spirit. So, I believe that by his example, we may, not, we may know not only what the godly say, but also what they do. Terry. An application to us at Cedar Valley Church. <clears throat> now, if I may be more specific, I feel that we could use some encouragement to try and apply these principles to ourselves. So often we are inundated with snap judgments, with unwelcomed advice, with criticisms, with chastisements. I mean, have you spent even two minutes on social media lately? It's a flurry of insults, of accusations, meaningless encouragements, and well wishes without any real substance behind them. This is how the world behaves, always will, or always has, and always will. But remember, we are no longer of this world. Cedar Valley Church is a trove of wisdom and experience of godly men and women who've been put through the test in all manners of trials and temptations. We have the wisdom and experience, one part of the equation. But I'd like to challenge us on the second part, the relationships, the spirit's outworking of our love for one another. So to our senior members, your role isn't finished yet. We need wisdom, and we need to be called out on the things that you've successfully called out in your past, or maybe the things that you remember being called out on. The trails God has led you down, do not forget to tell us about them. Our congregation, it's missing a generation right in the middle of you and me. So we need to bridge that gap. You can tell me I'm wrong, but then tell me why with a story from your experience. 
you can even tell me I'm right once in a while. For why should God have tested and tried you? Why should he have given you breath, his spirit, long life, if not for some purpose, if not to allow you to give back what was given you? Give that to me. Give that to the church. Give that to our pastors, to your families. And I'm not talking here about superficialities either, not about the music being too loud. Although, as the regular sound tech, you can and should tell me that the music is too loud. Or the decor, or the clothes worn when up at the front. But let's share about real issues, those that pertain to salvation, sanctification, sound doctrine, right worship, care for the poor, care for the, for the family, unity and brotherly love, the things you've received while your eyes have been looking up. The prerequisite, prerequisite, for this is a real connection with each other. So let's get together as individuals, as families, however we are able. I know these past two years have made this very difficult, but we don't want, we don't want, to, we don't want to let time continue to slip away and rob us of the riches of your walk with God. We are here, one body in Christ, many parts, some of us wearing out and some of us still with the packaging on. One body, the same head, one in purpose and will in God. Be confident then that God has given you words to say and he has also prepared ears to hear. To the rest of us, who, who of you is looking for wisdom and understanding? Who needs to talk with someone who has been there before and come out the other side? Let us be intentional to build relationships in anticipation of receiving what God has for us. Reach out to those that the Spirit has inclined you toward, to those whom you admire, to those that already possess the qualities of godly character that you want for yourself. Don't give yourself the excuse of saying, you don't know me or you don't know my situation. But start building these connections. And let's resist the temptation to think that those older than us are out of touch and past their best before date. Rightly receiving words. I was told by Pastor Grant to proceed a follow-up or a challenge with an example, a story to reinforce the point that I was trying to make. I couldn't really think of one that would fit, at least not one that would have me being reprimanded by an elder or someone whom I respected. I don't know if I've experienced this in my adult life, and certainly not in the context of the church. Maybe that's normal, or maybe that's not, or maybe that's the new normal. I just don't know. Maybe one of you wise guys has to come and tell me. I do, however, have an example of dismissing an encouragement much like I dismiss a criticism, an encouragement that actually helped me get, get me up in front of you today. So not long ago, I had the pleasure of seeing Edna Rempel again at a birthday lunch for my grandma Wanda. After lunch, while we were visiting, Edna made her way across the room to get my attention. She told me that she wanted to hear me preach more and said she liked the things I had to say. I quickly and politely said thank you and made some comment as to brush off the request. Yeah, maybe one day, or I'm not so sure about that. But in my heart, I dismissed her words. What did I do? But I assumed that my opinions were of higher value than her wisdom. It was my pride masquerading as humility. Sometime later, her words came back to me, and I realized what was really going on, that I was the one in error here. You see, Edna had grown up in the church her whole life. She's probably heard thousands of messages, hundreds of speakers. And from a casual conversation, she stepped out, and she came to me with a word of encouragement, a word that was sharpened by her experiences, 
a word from one who has remained faithful and sensitive to the Spirit of God working in her life. And I thought to ignore it, to think that I knew better than she. How foolish we can sometimes be. So let us give and receive wisdom to each other with authority and love, with a mind to get past the casual and those surface conversations that we're so inclined to have. Those things which are focused on the earth below, let's look up and speak to each other about things above. Now, speaking of things below and things above, we can finally move on from this first verse and briefly explore Paul's point of contention and his reason for rebuking the Galatians. Christ above law and tradition. Galatians 2. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? So why again does Paul direct such strong language towards those he loved, using words with connotations of death and destruction? Because that's right where they were headed. Certainly then, Paul's issue was not for some peripheral teaching, something that was surface level an argument where we could just say, let's agree to disagree. He was aiming to correct them from following a false gospel, one that mingles the laws and traditions of men with the finished work of Jesus Christ, who was publicly crucified yet resurrected from the dead. A false gospel that, if left unchecked, could leave their church in ruin and their children starved of grace. Salvation was on the line here, so no wonder he calls them fools. If by faith you received the gospel and were filled by the Spirit, then why by the law do you think you can perfect it? They were choosing to forego the teaching that salvation is granted to us by believing and the clear confirmation of this by signs and miracles from the Spirit. These signs weren't earned by following a list of rules and regulations, were they? For these rules and regulations came to them afterwards. Adding any worldly thing in in an attempt to win God's favor, favor and love is foolish, says Paul. The law brings division. It creates in-groups and out-groups, in-fighting and out-calling. It seeks to separate us from one another, separate us from the pack, especially when it's mishandled, or worse, when the law is worshipped. If we need a current example of what I'm trying to say, just look at what the last two years have brought to our culture. Were these pandemic responses and subsequent regulations necessary? Maybe. Were they well-intended? Probably, but did they cause division and disunity? Most certainly. We would do well here to remember Peter's words from 1 Peter chapter 5, that the devil prowls like a lion seeking ones to devour. And how are we to resist him? With our keeping of what? Keeping of the law? Or was it by being firm in our faith? Faith, and this is Peter speaking here. Remember the one whom Paul in chapter 2 had used as an example of falling into this very snare. The law has a place in God's redeeming work, but it cannot save us from the lion. It cannot unify us. It cannot manifest the spirit, and to act like it can makes, and to act like it can means we place it above Christ. The stone law and the stone heart. Exodus 32:19. When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, His anger burned, and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. 
The law itself was written upon stone tablets. Strong as stone is, they were broken upon the mountain when Moses saw the wickedness of man's heart on full display. Those tablets, here for a time, but will one day be broken again, for they are of the earth, and the earth will pass away. Moses probably wished for God to have changed their hearts instead of him having to go up and deliver the law again, that they would cast their eyes up to heaven, to the top of the mountain, instead of to the gold below. John 12, 4. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who intended to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and its proceeds given to the poor? Judas was a fool, putting his hope in what was here on the earth, in money and fortune, in high praise and fame among men. But he disguised his heart's intention with piety, of helping the poor, even elevating its status above worshiping Christ. Was helping the poor good? Yes. But could it save him? Could it change his heart? No. The scripture tells us that we will be given a new heart if we simply believe that Christ is enough. And this new heart will replace our heart of stone with one that is home to the Spirit of God himself. One that won't pass away with the earth, but will remain with God for eternity. Life by the Spirit. So, let us not pass down traditions and practices that will fade away with the earth and time, but let us pass on that which will re be retained forever, heavenly things, things that are true, the things that God has revealed to you concerning life and faith, things from above, things of the Spirit. I know I'm speaking a bit vaguely here, but I feel as though a list of our own do's and don'ts would be too prescriptive, just another set of rules for us to follow. Now, there's more to be said here about the contrast between living a life to the law and a life by faith, but I'll leave that to later messages in our series. Paul brings this up many times in this book to the Galatians. If we believe that in all things God works for the good of those who have been called according to his purpose, we believe that, then we also need to believe that the experiences that God has led us through are to be used for encouraging and admonishing each other and the church. Let us believe, let us be confident that he has prepared us in order to share with others that which he has done in our lives. Share with each other where God has revealed the fruits of the Spirit in your life. Fruits of love, of joy, peace, patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there is no law, Paul tells us, no divisions, no foolishness. If Paul hadn't reproved the Galatians, those he loved, would he not have been grieving the Spirit, resisting the will of God, going the way of Jonah to flee, Going, way, going the way of Judas to undermine the Spirit's work. What a foolish thing to do. But he didn't. And neither should we. If we don't say, if we don't listen, if we don't have our eyes looking up, we may miss the dangers ahead, or worse, miss the fullness of a life given to God one to another. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these words today, for the infinite depth of your scriptures to teach us, to encourage our successes, and hold a mirror to our shortcomings. Give us faith to know that you have prepared us to pass on the lessons you've led us through, and that you've changed our heart of stone to ones that live for you. Give us courage to build true relationship with each other, 
ones that are genuine and born out of sincere love. Give us hope for opportunities to talk about the things above as directed by the Spirit. Give us unity within our families. Give us unity within this church that we may be a shining example for our community to see. Amen. I'm inspired by the courage it takes to uh, to prepare something like that, and uh, he's such a gifted writer and uh, speaker. So I, I truly believe you're we are blessed by by the the Holy Spirit through you this morning. So as we just go this week, just be inspired by that the the willingness to pour into one another, to make meaningful relationships that are blessed by the Holy Spirit to allow us to reach one another and the people in our communities. That's most important, really. It's just so important to be able to take that wisdom from one another and pour into the people around us. So thanks so much, Chad. Go in peace today. Have a great, have a great week. In the name of Jesus, amen.